the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I think we'll just skip all these Kingdom of God parables and go straight to uh, Laban tricking Jacob. Switching, switching daughters, right? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I, 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 said, I was telling somebody before, I've never done the little track one, um, I think that's what we're doing, track one with the Old Testament chronology um, before, and I may not do it again. <laughs> like, unless you have preach on it every week, you're sort of, you're sort of lost. But Jacob, um, just, just, just um, means deceiver. Um, so it's the deceiver has gotten deceived uh, today, which is the sort of the irony of that passage. And that's probably good enough. If you want to read, read more, um, read more. Um, it does set up. It does set up why why Joseph. Uh, we taught. We did our vacation Bible school, and Joseph, the the, the younger brother, I got. We'll hear about it probably in a couple of weeks. Why his why his brothers couldn't stand him, and why Jacob loved him so much is because. You know, that was the wife that he liked, was Rachel. Um, so, anyway, if you wonder why Jacob had all these different wives, Laban's the one who said it all over. So, there you go. Moving on now to um, uh, more, more about the kingdom of God. These, we've, we've, gotten, we've done the kingdom of God the last couple weeks of um, the parable of the sower and the parable of the weeds, um, talking about the... the immense generosity of God as the sower, who just scatters the seed of the kingdom everywhere, um, seed being very valuable, and, and, and the sower not really caring where the seed falls, or at the very least, if you don't want to say care, is, is willing to, to hope and sacrifice that some seed may not fall where it's supposed to. Um, then likewise, uh, this parable of the weeds talks about the kingdom of God being like um, seed that is that is sown and grows up, but then also the enemy comes and plants weeds, and and there's things that are evil in the world that still grow up with the things that are that are good and righteous of the world, and they just will coexist together. And we, we talked about this last week with the weeds um, that, that might fuel. Uh, be, be fuel for those things that, that are that are good um, as well in our lives. And so today we have like five little popcorn um, parables practically that just sort of one after the other after the other sort of like just just big shots that are that are very short. Um, but again, describe what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed um, that's that's very small, almost invisible. But grows into to something something large, one of the largest um, trees. Um, well, in the largest sort of plants as far as those seeds. Um, and the kingdom of God is like yeast, again very invisible, but then but then grows dramatically. So we we have these two images of something that's very small, very insignificant, very um, slight that grows into something prominent. That just burst exponentially around us, and this, this is, um, you know, Jesus just describing how the kingdom of God is, is just going to be explosive. Those things that that once were 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 just glimpses and hints throughout 
throughout the world. Um, now we're just going to be just going to be there for everybody to see, everybody to realize it's going to be exponential growth around us of God's grace and love and glory and the Spirit of God coming here. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And and sort of to, to emphasize that more, um, it talks about the treasure being buried in the field, which which is hard to believe, just as a parenthesis, that it's been three years since we've I've done that little video out where I you know called the number on the screen, but all you people beat me to it. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about because you've not been here, we, we had to we had to do like YouTube worship back in the day um, during the pandemic, and one of the one of the sermons was on burying the treasure in the field. And there was a there was a number that anyway you have to go back and look at it on YouTube. So, um, but it seems like I just did that yesterday, right? And it's how how we how things have changed in three years. Um, but it, but it's like a man who, who finds a treasure buried in a field just sort of stumbles upon it and sells everything he has. Um, talking about the, the 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 value and the worth of the kingdom of God. And then the kingdom of God is like a merchant who, who goes in search of verified pearls and sells everything he has to buy and purchase that. And, and the point here, not as just talking about the value, but, but we have one of those, one of those right, extreme, extreme things. Right? You've got the person who stumbles over treasure um, as he's looking to purchase the order or whatever. Um, you know, sort of like the person who buys the Powerball ticket. There's really, there's really no skill involved, but this is just luck. Um, this is just happenstance. He's not even looking for it, and yet finds the most valuable thing in the world. And then we have a merchant who's searching for five pearls. That's like his job. His job is everywhere to go to look for the most valuable pearl jewel, whatever that he could possibly find, and when he comes across this, realizes that it's the most valuable thing in the world, and does the exact same thing, right? Sells everything he has, sacrifices in order to get it. And so what we, what we have is this, the kingdom of God is invaluable, and it comes much like the parable of the sower, you know, the seeds just scattered. Sometimes it falls on this soil, sometimes it falls on this soil, sometimes it falls on this. Sometimes the person who discovers it is like a guy who just trips over himself and discovers it out of dumb luck. Or it comes to the person who's been searching for this their whole entire life. And when we have one of those types of things, that's to this person and this person and everybody in between. Right? It's sort of like the it's sort of like when when um, in John's Gospel, when he talks about the the woman at the well of Nicodemus, the, 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 the God's grace and love comes to the the Pharisee. The Pharisee is the person you'd least that you'd most expect, and then the Samaritan outcast, the person that you'd least expect. Which means, if it comes to the person you most expect and least expect, it comes to everybody else. So the kingdom of God is invaluable to everyone. It's open to everyone. And in case you didn't catch that, it's like throwing a net into the sea. And this net, you know, back then when you're fishing, it's like those, those 
those big nets with the weights. So not like a little bit, but you're, you sort of curl it like this if you've ever seen, then you drag it to shore, and you've got fish of every kind. You've got good fish, you've got bad fish, you've got some starfish and octopus and whatever else you got to old boot, old tire, you know, things like that, tin cans, everything you can imagine, and you you start separating. Here's the good fish go here, here's all the other stuff is here, we, we throw it away, and then you throw your net again. And again, it's, it's talking about the kingdom of God is just casting a net. It's not, it's not picking out this, 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 it's, it's gathering everything. And, and much is good, and some is, is evil. And evil is, again, like we talk about the weeds, not as much about people. I mean, at the end of the age, yeah, there might be judging. That's not for you to decide. Anyway, that's God's job, not your job. But really, it's just the reality that, that, that the kingdom of God is casting wide net. And even though there may be things of this world that still are not of God, um, God's going to search you out and draw you out and separate you by the Spirit of God anyway. Um, and Jesus ends with, with a passage that's, that's sort of like in, in every other section, like in the Sermon on the Mount, where he ends with the the um, build your build your house not on the sandy land but on the rock, basically that you might draw near. He he ends the same exact way with you all are scribes, sort of right. And that's what he says. You're now scribes. These who are here are scribes and scribes of this new age, disciples of this new age, priests of this new age. You bring out the treasure, the new and the old, which is the same as what he said before, right? Not one iota of the law will be thrown away, but this new part will be added as well, which is the kingdom of God. It means we're not throwing away those, those things of old, but we're widening the net, right? We're casting the net wide. We're displaying the treasure the treasures right here, those things that were invisible like mustard seeds now just burst forth in front of you. Those things that are like yeast just fill the world with bread to be fed as well. There's these images of the kingdom of God not just being explosive, but also and being valuable, but being open to all who receive it. And um, it sort of leads, leads us to, to the passage in Romans today where, where we continue. Seems like a very long time. Anytime we start with likewise, the Spirit, like, okay, likewise, that means we've got stuff that's happened before. But we talked about last week that, that we've become children of God. Um, that we're, when we're in the kingdom of God, we become children of God, and no, and no longer do we have to worry about the law, and have we been good enough, or have we been righteous enough, or have we been holy enough, or are we smart enough, or pretty enough, or rich enough, 
But we are children of God basically only because God has made us this way and because of God's grace and love through Jesus. And we are then heirs of that kingdom. And this all goes together and, and now, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, even when we don't even know what to pray for. Um, the Spirit just groans within us, which is such a, a great image, because I don't know if you've ever been like me, where you don't even have any idea what to pray for. And you're just like, oh, Lord. Right? Sometimes the prayer is just, Jesus, help. Right? Or you don't even, even get that far. You're just like, I don't even know. Um, and it's okay, because the Spirit groans. But, but the image that I think out of this kingdom of God, this, this whole shift, which I heard um, recently, was um, in, in the Old Testament, um, the, the, the Spirit of God um, we encountered visitation. Right? The Spirit of God, it was like visitation. It visited certain leaders in certain occasions, in certain moments, like the parting of the Red Sea or lighting upon Moses as he went up onto the mountain. There's a visitation of the Spirit that rested upon Moses and rested upon Gideon and rested upon other people. And now, the Spirit of the God is a habitation who inhabits and dwells within us. And that's such, such a great image of, of, of really what has happened in the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God has just exploded exponentially, and more now the Spirit of God just dwells in us. It inhabits us, searches us too deep for words, and calls us, and justifies us, and glorifies us, and so that we get to this, this great, great passage that a lot of times we read at funerals, but is good to read, frankly, any time. What then shall we say to any of these things? If God is for us, by any of these things, we're talking about going way back to the law part, right? All this, we're now like arguing two chapters ago. And finally getting, we're finally wrapping it up here. What shall we say to these people who talk about being, having to earn God's love and earn God's favor and be in this? What can we say? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who not spare his own son and gave himself up for us, how will he not also with us, with him, graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? For it's God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Because Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, was raised, who sits at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Basically, who's possibly? I mean, you can look at weeds. Again, this is going back to last week. You can talk about weeds all you want. There can be weeds. There can be shoes that you gather in the net and old tires and tin cans. Who cares? If God's for us, who can be against us? 
The only person who can justify is God. The only person who condemns is Jesus Christ, and he's sitting there interceding for you. So therefore, who's left? Nobody. I mean, your grandmother maybe, but she's always nagging, right? I mean, don't pay any attention to her. Who can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or even the sword? No, in all these things we are more conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principality nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is the kingdom of God that is burst before us, that dwells in us, that abides and rests in us, that we are invited to call. And we now have been made scribes. We have been made priests. We have been made holy and righteous. Uh, I mean, sort of imagine being right there, being called now scribes of sort of the new kingdom. You're like, Elevated up to where you think you don't deserve. Just like when, when we say, you are the priesthood of all believers. You all are priests. And they're like, well, I'm not a priest. You're the priest. Well, yeah, that's, just, that's just like, you know, I got little roles, right? But we are the priests. We are those who are called into the kingdom of God. We are the living stones crying out and declaring that the Spirit of God is upon us, and more than the Spirit of God being upon us, that nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can take that away. And whenever you think, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not holy enough, I'm not whatever enough, all the things that we put upon ourselves, we come back to, if God's for you, then who's against you? If Jesus Christ, who has lived and died for you and now intercedes for you, doesn't condemn you, then who can condemn you? Who are you, frankly, right, to condemn yourself or judge you, let alone anybody else? Because if God is for you and the Spirit groans inside of you and dwells within you, what more is necessary? And this is what these parables speak to. The value, the worth, the joy, the growth, the power, and just the immense reality. Something new has taken place, and something new has come, and the Spirit of God dwells here and inhabits this place and inhabits each of you. And nothing can separate that spirit, that joy, that grace, that presence of Christ. Nothing can separate that from you. It's yours. It's mine. It's ours. It's the world's.
let that just sink in, right? Because we're always so ready to condemn ourselves, I feel. But God raises us up, blesses, heals, restores, and draws us near each and every moment. Even with groans, when we don't know what to say. Nothing can separate God's love from us. Amen. Amen.